I want to talk this morning and share a little bit about about life. Um, we just recently went to the pregnancy banquet, and I suppose that kind of stimulated me to think about this. I'm going to share a little bit about that later, but um, I just want to share how important it is to remember, you know, we just celebrated Jesus' resurrection, and the main point of his resurrection was his resurrection brings life. His resurrection brings life. You know, life is not just our existence here on earth. You know, sometimes if you ask people, what is life? Well, it's, it's you know, what I go through here, it's what I do here on earth and this is my life well life is more than that you know and life is not just an accident you know sometimes we maybe think well you know some people think that's just an accident you know that well we just have this life because it just all happened you know in john eleven twenty five, jesus says i am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even though he will die jesus says, i'm the resurrection and i'm life He's life. And it's important for us to remember that. In, in John 14, 6, Jesus also said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And, you know, for Christians, we have to remind ourselves maybe sometimes but because the world around us is telling us something else. If you really think about it, you know, um, the world around us tells us that, you know, this is just an accident. Um, we do the best we can here. We live. We um, we improve this life. We improve this existence because we're such smart human beings, and uh, we've just gotten ourselves to this point that you know life's sometimes okay. And I think even the world would have to admit sometimes it's not okay. And and we have to remember that you know the world challenges that right from the beginning. You know, in the beginning when. In Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us, let us make man in our own image. Let us, let's, and he breathed in a man. In Genesis 2, 7, he says, he breathed in a man into his nostrils the breath of life. Life comes from God. Life, life, life comes from him. And, you know, the world would like to say, well, it doesn't come from God. He's not the creator. This is just an existence because then I can take away the value of life. Now, life is just something that's an accident, something that just happened. Um, We try to keep it going. We try to do the best we can with it. And we don't recognize that it's a source from God. And if you don't have that as the crux of of your belief that God is the source of all life, then it devalues life. You know, and I think, personally, that's a lot of what happens with evolution and all the teachings that are against God's creation and God creating the earth is to ultimately devalue life. Because if you can devalue life, Jesus says, I am the life. God breathed into us life. If life is not from him, but it's just something that just happens, well, what's the value of life then? You know, there's people that think that way, people that think, well, you know, you're born, you live, you die. That's it. It's it's an existence, you know. There's no eternal life. Eternal life, and we realize that in beginning, in the beginning, you know, that's how God created life. And then, of course, we know that man sinned. And when man sinned, he brought death into the world. God didn't create death. Man sinned, and because of sin, then death came. And then Jesus came. 
and defeated death, rose from the dead so that we might have life. So we might have life. So there's a tremendous value on life. Eternal life, spiritual life. And it comes from God. It doesn't come from other sources. You know, if you want to have an abundant life, then we have to realize who the source is. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Okay, now, that tells us now that there's an enemy who's out to take away life. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, take away life. There's an enemy. So there's an enemy that's working all the time to get us to believe that God is not the source of life and that life has no value. It has no value. And once you get there, you know it's a terrible place? Once you get to the place that life has no value, it's a terrible place. Because now we can evaluate what's worth life. Ephesians 6.12 says, we fight not against, we fight against principalities and powers, things that want to kill and destroy. There's forces at work around us to kill, steal, and destroy. Remember, I personally think one of, one of Satan's greatest tools and one of his greatest victories in that is when someone commits suicide. Because what happens? They've destroyed their own life. Somehow they thought their life wasn't worth anything. You know, somehow they got to that point. We had a situation recently in our community where somebody, you know, got to that point where they said, you know, I don't see the value in my life. And I believe that's what Satan does. He wants us to get to a point where we're willing to say life has no value. So there's a definite contrast between what Satan says about life and what Jesus says about life. Definite contrast. Definite contrast. And so if we, if we begin to devalue life right from the beginning to say that God's not the source, that God didn't create man, that we just happened, we're just here by accident, which is kind of, I mean, if you'd really try to wrap your brain around that, of, of that we're just here by accident. That's kind of amazing if you can get to that point. When you see everything that goes on around us and it's just an accident, I, you know, and, you know, or it evolved over a million years and got to this place. How, wow, what an amazing thing it could evolve and get to this, you know. But what is life, the value of life? God places the highest value on life. Okay, God says there's a great value in life. The value of life is so important because he sent his only son. There's the value he put on life. He said, you know, those folks down there, they're sinning and they're in a terrible shape. And the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God placed value on us in that condition. Value on our life. And sent his only son to pay the price so that we might have life. So that we might have life. When, you know, and so sometimes people say, well, I don't think I'm worth anything. I don't think I'm important. You know, that is a lie. That is a lie from the one that says you have no value on your life. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Take that away from us. Jesus says, I've come you may have, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So that we see that our lives are important. 
and there's value to our lives. We're created in God's image. You know, we're, we're in his image. And let me just say this, and I, I, I know I mention it once in a while, but folks, do not elevate your animals to your status. Your animals are great. I have animals. I love my animals. I take care of my animals. You know, I do the best. But my animals do not have the value that you and I have. Okay? I, I, can't, I can't elevate them to that point. We're the ones that God established as having value. You know? And he created the creation for us to enjoy. And so we enjoy them. Sometimes they irritate us. Sometimes they're a problem. You know, I got a calf right now. That's a problem. You know, I don't know what his problem is. He just don't want to eat. So I'm being his mother for a while. And so I have to go out and feed him. I hope pretty soon he finds his mother, you know, and things will be much better. But, you know, I, pu- I put value on that, not just from an economic value, but I put value on that that, you know, I don't want to see that calf die. You know, it has value, but it's an animal. But we have greater value because we have recreated in God's image. And he sent his son to die for us so that we might have life, eternal life, eternal life, but we might have life here and life abundantly. You know, that we might have life abundantly. And so consequently, because we place that high value on life and the enemy comes along and says, no, you really don't have value. Life doesn't really have much value. So consequently, the unborn really don't have much value. Your choice is more important than their value. How you feel about having a child is more important than, on, than the child. Or maybe it becomes the elderly. You know, the elderly get to a point where they lose their value. You know, they can't contribute anymore to society. So because you can't contribute economically to society and you become a burden on society, now we can begin to say, well, maybe we won't treat for this or maybe we won't treat for that. Or maybe we'll, you know, not do what we could to try to keep you alive. And I, and I know there's points where you make decisions, pulling plugs and things like that. I understand that. And I think that's part of a godly decision. But we have to be very careful when we talk about value. When we talk about the value of life, the value of the elderly. You know, like all of a sudden. And, you know, and and that's where it's going to go if we keep going down a path that says life has no value. I mean, you could say, oh, that sounds terrible. You know, and we're, we're approaching that in some ways. I mean, from what I can tell, sometimes they will determine if you get certain medical assistance as you get older. You know, like, well, you're a little too old for that procedure. And I suppose at some point we are a little too old for some procedures. I don't know. But it's, it's careful how we make those decisions. Careful how we value life. And, you know, sometimes it's even in, in very practical ways, even with those around us when we think about the value of life. Just how do we value one another? How do we place value on people? What's somebody worth? Somebody who is educated and just very productive, they're very intelligent, they can produce, they work hard, they have more value than somebody that struggles through life? 
You know, in the Bible, it talks about if someone comes into your into your service or into your church and it says if they if they are prominent, you say, oh, come up here and sit up here. You know, or if somebody comes in that doesn't have much, they oh, you can sit in the back. What is that? That's placing value on life that we determine that certain people have more value. And I've seen that take play out in the church over my years. And it usually has something to do with money. (laughs) That's sometimes in our society, that's where we place value on life as to how much money we get out of a situation. We have to be very careful when we start to evaluate and work with people around us so we don't start to say, well, someone has more value and someone has less value. So we realize that life is you know, it's conducted by various choices about how we think about life. I have a couple quotes I want to share with you. Um, they're quotes by a political candidate um, several years ago. Here's, here's one quote. It's a simple matter of economics. Unwanted children end up in the criminal justice system, and it's very expensive to take care of them there. Isn't that something? That unwanted children... It's just a matter of economics. You know, most unwanted children, they end up in the criminal justice system. And, you know, it's you got to spend a lot of money to take care of them there. So you might as well abort them. That's that's it. The other quote is the cost of the cost of putting unwanted children through the welfare system far outweighs the cost of an abortion. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's 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 a true statement. You know, it costs a lot of money if you put a child through the welfare system. And, you know, abortions are relatively cheap. So what's the value of life? What's the value? Well, if we just say economically, it doesn't have much value. You know, if we see it from a pure economic status, that, you know, it just, life doesn't have much value. In Jeremiah one five. It says, the Lord says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is the Lord talking to Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb. That says, he forms us. And he says, before I did that, I knew you. I knew you. And I had not only known you, I knew you, but you were set apart for a purpose. You were set apart for a purpose to be a prophet to the nations. God places value on us and a value on life. He sees us. He knows us. He knows what he's purposed us to do. And I don't care what your purpose is. It has value. It has value. Sometimes it's maybe difficult finding exactly what our purpose is, you know, but I think if we find our purpose and know there's a God-given purpose inside of all of us, that if we can find that purpose, that has value. And not one purpose is better than another. They're just different. God created Jeremiah to be a prophet. He didn't, he didn't do that to anybody else at that time. Jeremiah was the prophet. You know, certain people have certain gifts, certain abilities. Sometimes in our in our minds, in our society, we start to figure out what that means and put value on it. And it gets kind of strange sometimes. Sometimes it's economic. 
Sometimes it's performance related. You know, <laughs> I I don't I have seen a couple episodes of American Idol. You know, what are they doing? They're evaluating all these people's talent. And you know, if you really are honest about it, you get down to the last 15, 20, they all got talent. I mean, probably even further than that, they all have talent. And now we're going to wean it down to the one great American Idol who has the greatest talent. Does that make them worth more than the rest? You know, it's kind of, we can kind of get caught up in that sometimes. In the church, we can get caught up in, in what's talent and what's ability and what's worth and, and what makes us better. And, and, you know, and I think we should all use our talent. But it looks different. In, uh, let's see, one, two, three weeks, two weeks, two weeks from today. I think it's, two, is there only, is the 21st, 28th? Well, anyway, the first Sunday in May. <laughs> I think that could be three weeks, the way it's working. I think a three, yeah, first Sunday in May. I'm going to share a little bit about that. You know, it's kind of a whole other message. About in the church, how we see value, how we place value on things. But we have to be very careful. And as Christians, we have to put value on life, on life. Life that is within us and life in other people, that they have value. Satan comes along and says they have no value. And he wants us to treat them that way. He wants us to treat other people like, well, you know, they're stupid. Well, you know, they do dumb stuff. Well, you know, they're, they do this, they do that. And we try to devalue them. I believe that that's part of Satan's working. He comes to kill, steal, destroy. Take away value. Take away value on life. So we want to be very careful how we talk about people. How we talk about people. You know, we can, if we're not careful, we can start to devalue them. Devalue them. You know, when we just start to choose to keep babies because of convenience or economics, we've probably gotten to a really bad place. You think about Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And how we've kind of become a part of that. You know, we've really become a part of that. At the pregnancy center, I've, I found it very, it was challenging. The fellow that spoke was from California. He was a professor, but he was pretty straightforward. I, I, I enjoyed it. He was, but he made a comment. And I don't want, I don't want, you know, I hope you don't take this wrong, but I don't know if you can. Maybe you can. I don't know. Anyway, he made a statement. He said, he says, we're not trying to diminish the power of Planned Parenthood. He said, we want to completely destroy them. I thought, oh, my goodness, that's a little. Well, think about it. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know, their purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And he says, I want to eliminate that. I thought, wow. That, I mean, that was pretty bold, you know. But, you know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and forces that are out to kill, steal, and destroy. And I think sometimes Christians, we haven't taken that serious enough to where we sit back and go, well, yeah, okay, and, you know, it doesn't really affect me, and that's the way it goes. But I want to tell you something. We're in a battle whether you believe it or not. Because that whole thinking process will invade your life. That whole thinking of life has no value will get into you, too. 
Ultimately, Satan would want to destroy you. He wanted to destroy our children. He would want to destroy anybody he could get his hands on. You know, and there's lots of ways he's doing that nowadays. There's lots of tools, lots of tools. But as we devalue life, I believe we become more susceptible to that. And, you know, life is more than just an existence. Each and every one of us have to realize that God has plan and purpose for us. He places more value on your life than you do. Now, that's sometimes kind of maybe hard to believe, but, you know, God puts more value on your life than you do. He's the one that says, I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I don't think abundant life means money. You know, that could be, you know, a part of it maybe. But I believe abundant life is things that money can't buy. You know, really abundant life, because there's people that have money that don't have an abundant life. There's people that got a lot of money, and they're pretty miserable. You know, they may look good on the outside, but they're miserable. You know, money, we always joke, or we always say, well, money can't buy happiness. Money can't buy health. Money can't buy contentment. Money can't buy purpose. Money can't buy joy. Money can't buy peace of mind. There's things that the world can't give us just because it's economically possible to give it to us. Jesus is the one that gives us life. God sent his only begotten son. And that son came and says, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. I'm the life. I'm the one who gives you life. And that life is eternal. I believe it's important for Christians to never, never, never think that this life is it. And you know, sometimes you get so caught up in this life because, well, it's what we got to deal with. You got to work. You got to do all this stuff. You know, you got to do life. But then we lose sight of the fact that, well, you know, it's not just about this life. That life is eternal. Life is eternal. Satan wants to destroy us. Satan wants us to have eternal destruction. Eternal destruction. Satan wants to help us make bad choices. It doesn't take too many bad choices, folks, to really mess with your life. That's, you know, for young people. I'm telling you, guard your life. Guard your choices. Be careful. One bad choice, and boy, it can be, you know, I know some of you probably heard about the young people over at Elmwood who've made just off-the-cuff comments about uh, destroying a teacher or destroying, destroying the school, you know. This is no time to talk bad about your teachers or the school or how you think it ought to be destroyed, you know. It's one bad, dumb choice, you know, and it goes on and on, choices, things we choose. We have to be very careful. We need to choose life. We need to choose life. We can choose life. You know? So I said before you, life and death. Choose life. We can choose life because we can choose the one who brings eternal life. And that's a choice for all of us. A choice for all of us. And so we realize that when we choose that life, when we choose that one, the Bible says that we're born again. Because we choose life. You know, 
We're born physically, then we choose life, we're born again, we're born of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that gives life. The Spirit that gives life, the Spirit that gives eternal life. And so that's our first and greatest choice, is to choose life. Choose the one who came and paid the price for our sin. So that we might have life, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Then I believe as we choose life that we need to also walk in it. We start to walk in it. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. Put that choice to action. Walk according to the life that lives within you. If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and you, then that should cause us to walk different. Should cause us to walk different. We should not walk like the world walks. We should walk different. We should walk choosing life. We should walk with purpose, knowing that we have a God-given purpose with it. We should walk different. We should walk different. And we need to put it into action every day. And I believe then when we have that life dwelling within us, that we recognize where it comes from, and we want to worship the one who gives us life. Why do we worship? Oh, because they set aside a little bit of time on Sunday morning to do it, so I guess I'll do it. Everybody else seems to do it, so I guess I'll do it. You know, I don't know. There's all, all kinds of reasons you can worship or not worship. Ultimately, we worship because we realize that he's the one that gives us life eternal. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that puts his life in me. In me. He gave it to me. He gave it to me. He sent his son to die on a cross for me, for my sins. He gives me life. Why wouldn't I want to praise him? Why wouldn't I? Well, the reason I wouldn't want to is because I think it all came from me. Maybe I don't need, you know, well, I don't need to. I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, we worship him when we recognize who he is and what he's done. What he's done. We worship him. We praise him because he's the one that gives us life. And then I believe when we have that life within us, I believe then we should want to share it. We should want to share it. You know, it's enough to have life in us, but I believe God's given us a purpose. And one of those purposes is to share life with those around us. To share life. In our words, when we see somebody to speak words of life. You know, you can speak words of life, you can speak words of death. It's a choice, you know. I love you. Good morning. How are you? Have a nice day. I hate you. You're stupid. Get out of my life. That's a choice. That's a choice. Teach your children to choose life. Teach your children to choose life. Do not allow them to speak death. Just don't allow it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you. They say, well, how do you do it? Don't allow it. We don't say that. We don't say those words. You know, you, you teach them. You teach them. Hopefully someday then they will grow to the point they realize that there's life within them and they have a relationship with the one who gives them life and then they choose to speak words of life. But until then, you train them, train them, and you teach them. And we share that life with others. And we share where that life comes from. We're not ashamed to share that we know the one who gives life. And he gave life to me. 
and I want to share it with you. I want to at least tell you about it. I can't make you choose it, but I can at least share it and tell you about it. When we have opportunity, we can share life. We can be life. And so when you think about life, when you think about Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. He is life. He is life. He's the source of life. He's the source of life to each and every one of us. And it's a choice. It's a choice. We can choose life. We can choose what he's done, or we can choose to do it on our own. Everybody makes that choice. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the giver of life. Lord, that you're the one. You're the one. And Lord, help us remember that we have an enemy. Lord, we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So Lord, help us to fight that fight. Lord, help us to allow that life that you give to dwell within us. And then Lord, let that life live through us to those around us. Help us to be givers of life. Help us to speak words of life wherever we have opportunity. Lord, help us to be ambassadors for you, sharing your love, sharing your life wherever we have opportunity. Lord, I pray if, if there's anyone here this morning that's never received the life that you have for them, they've never asked you to come in, they've never repented of their sin and accepted you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you just help them to make that choice to make that choice to receive you. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, help us remember it's a choice, and then it's a choice, and then it's a choice to be obedient, and it's a choice to live our life according to your will. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for those that, that make that choice to follow you. Lord, I pray that you just uh, be with anyone that if they, they have a need this morning and would like prayer, that you, they would come up and let Tom and Pam pray with them this morning. Or maybe they have a friend that they could pray with, Lord, that they would be encouraged to have someone pray for them. Lord, you said where two or three agree. So, Lord, just help us to, to be willing to let someone pray with us. Lord, we thank you for your life. We thank you for life abundantly. We thank you for your many blessings. Lord, forgive us when we grumble and complain. And, Lord, just help us to walk in faithfulness to you. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.